Hey there, ghosties. Welcome back. This is episode 84 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Today's guest is Justy Robinson, a aspiring writer, director, and a guy that's actually acting out there. Worked at the good fortune of working with him twice over the pandemic and uh, got to have a really awesome conversation where at one point I felt the need to kind of project some of the questions I wished was asked of me when I was his age and Maybe he manipulated the situation a little bit, but he was a good sport, and I had a great time. I hope you'll enjoy. Please make sure to like and subscribe. Tell your friends about the Ghost Lights podcast, and uh, you know, check out the True West Awards. You might find something interesting. Now here's War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Dan, you know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ghost Lights Podcast. It is your boy, Sam Gilstrap. That name's got a ring to it like a wedding vow. Every kiss begins with K. And every podcast begins with Sam. Hi, it's me. I think this is episode 84 now. We almost got to 100, but the uh, the holidays, shows, life changes, like finding our, our, our own house. Big ups to my producer. The production moil, Dan Rib, he had a big he had a big holiday winter season. I hope you all had fun, safe holidays. They're not over yet. We got New Year's Eve right around the corner, and I uh, I, I hope you'll you'll approach those days with the same amount of caution and joy as you did Christmas. And with that being said, I've got a good new friend of mine, someone I've had the good fortune with of working with twice now in the last year. We bookended the pandemic, essentially, as far as, I mean, it's still going, it's still raging, but we did stuff together at the start of and in the middle of the pandemic. It is it is my boy, Justy Robinson. Justy, how the heck are you? I'm doing pretty well, and yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm really glad to see you. We, we met on a, I'm going to say ill-fated, <laughs> um, <laughs> ill-fated production of random... Halloween-ish stories about the human condition where we played clowns trying to get through our day respectively. We didn't really have a script. We improvised our entire evening every night. Um, I I leaned more for seeking of connection. And uh, Justy, how did you approach being a clown with no script? Yeah, well... uh to be honest, a little different. I was uh, I was going in more of the direction of like you know, the whole idea, and this was this was kind of also the case because of like the audio that I was doing before, mm-hmm. um, before that because actually the installation that we were working on, like I'm pretty personal friends with Mo. I yeah. have been since I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked me to do the audio, so the whole thing was like this super kind of oppressive idea of like you know we're not literally clowns right mm-hmm. but life is beating on us right yeah. and it's like we're not going we're not really able to escape that so i kind of leaned into it mm-hmm. and i was like kind of spastic like i'd play games with them and if the, i'd 
try my best to let them win and if uh they and if they won i would like throw the thing Mm -hmm. you know be upset generally Mm -hmm. uh kind of loaf around in different ways yeah that was more my approach (laughs) i I, that was it was a very similar approach with me my my least favorite thing is when they would catch on the idea that i was letting them win and then they would get angry with me (laughs) Like I got cussed out one day by this large oh. man who who wanted the challenge of beating an actor clown at uh, Tic Tac Toe. Wild. Yeah, <laughs> and when I beat him, he demanded to do it again, hmm. and I beat him a second time, and then his wife dragged him away, and when he left, he said, "Fuck off." <laughs> I think you told me about this that night. Uh, yeah, I was like, "This is." I just. I just got cussed out by a, by an audience member for some reason. He did not want me to. He did not want me to let him win, but he definitely did not want me to win. Um, you talked about just briefly. You did the sound design for our piece of that play. Is how important is that side of the art for you? Do you do that type of work early on on all of your pieces, or is this something that was new because of your relationship with Mo and what? they were asking for right um i'll admit that it's pretty new uh though i will also say that the technical side in general is a piece that i'm wanting to get more involved in uh i'm someone who's pretty tech like technologically savvy as uh you know i kind of a i'm kind of a you know quote-unquote gamer if Mm -hmm. you will and so uh i'm one of those people who like has the custom pc i can take the parts out put them back in replace them all that I can do some pretty serious audio stuff just because uh, that's also attached to doing video stuff. Mm -hmm. And essentially, that's kind of the goal for me, right, is to get into writing and directing of my own film. Oh, wow. So I, you know, the more knowledge on the things I can get, always the better. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For that particular piece, um, what were some of your inspirations for the material outside of, as you said, life beating down on just... Every man, you know, the quote unquote every man, I should say. What 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 are the things that drove that drove you in the creation of that piece? So, um, I will for the actual audio itself that like they were listening to when they got to our section. Mm -hmm. um, I did have a script, but actually, at the time of making the uh, or of recording the audio for Mo. I was kind of not in a great place, which mm. I will admit uh, happens kind of a lot. But, you know, I try my best nowadays to manage it a little bit more. Mm. Um, I was not really in a great place and it was kind of, you know, very present, mm. if you will. You really know? cathartic, the creation of it? I would say not exactly cathartic. It felt almost like, uh, and like, I'm not exactly religious, right? Mm. But I'll use the term the universe. Uh, it felt kind of like the universe, like, ha ha, this is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're the clown. Wow. <laughs> did, so when you felt that, did you like, I have to be in this now? Or was that always part of the plan? I was always a part of oh. it. I'm, never, I'm not really one who like, you know, reneges on a show, to be mm-hmm. honest. Like, mm-hmm. it's usually the case that like, you know, I'm doing my best and they don't really want me to be in it if that's the situation or if I'm not in it, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think to date, at least, every show that I've been, I've auditioned to and have been accepted into, I've done. Mm. I don't think I've ever been like, I'm not doing this. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I was wondering, oh, as I hit the mic, I was wondering if at 
like you were signed on to do one thing alone and then once you created you're like oh no i'm the one that knows this i should definitely be involved you were always involved to be a part of the piece in one way shape or form yeah no i was it was always she she reached out to me actually Mm. because she knew about my little or my bit of Mm. a theater background okay so she was like i want you to act in this and then it became a point where we need to get she was like i need to get the audio done would you be willing to do that and Mm. i was like i can do that absolutely yeah awesome (laughs) what let's just dive right into it okay justy theater how did it happen to you well, uh, it's a bit of an interesting little story. Thank uh, goodness. <laughs> Make sure you're recording this, Dan. Let's go. So uh, I was 17 at the time. Uh, so just last week. Yeah, you know, honestly. Uh, but I, uh, my mother was doing a production, so to speak, for a nonprofit that I am now a board member for, Creative Strategies for Change. Um, she was facilitating a what they call community cipher, which at the time, though it looks very much different, the like community cipher that they're doing right now is very different than the original one. Mm-hmm. The original one was a show, but devised by the people who come in. So the idea was that, you know, working with youth, we were going to use the youth stories and create the show, which to perform later. Mm-hmm. I just so happened to be uh, at school one day coming out and for the first time in possibly my life my mother picks me up from school actually and she takes me to the theater with which she is doing this at uh and upon getting there and meeting another friend who was also facilitating his name is andre carbonell he's a great friend of mine um i began to get more involved partially because it seems that this wasn't really going anywhere with Mm. the group they had as well as, you know, they were paid. So I was like, if I'm going to be getting paid to do anything, I should be getting paid to do something interesting and fun. Yeah. So eventually that would lead into my senior year of high school where I did two shows, which was The Skin of Our Teeth and Footloose. Um, this is also the first time that I had gotten into theater in high school, period, right? So at the very, my freshman year, I was a singer. Mm-hmm. I did choir. Uh, and after that, I was dealing with a lot of like, you know, mm. a lot of things. Mm. So I was like, I'm just not going to do choir anymore. Yeah. Ultimately, a decision I would come to regret, but not really, uh, not really seriously, you mm. know, like it was high school. It's what it is. Um, but because of that and because of my lack of interest in previous years and the experience I just had with the cypher, I was like, I should probably do this. This is something that that was an interesting feeling I got. Mm-hmm. So I auditioned for that. I joined Drama 4, which was kind of a mistake a little bit because mm-hmm. I should have probably started. I should have probably did something a little earlier than that. Like I definitely had enough ability, right, to mm-hmm. not do Drama 1 or 2. But it was like at Drama 4, it's like, well, all we did in that class was sit around and talk about things. Mm-hmm. And eventually we would have to figure out what senior projects are going to look like. Uh, and I was like, I haven't been in a senior project before. Uh, I don't know what that looks like. I've never seen one. And we have done nothing near instruction in this entire class since the beginning of the year. So I'm a little confused. (laughs) But the show side of things, I got to be the announcer in uh, The Skin of Our Teeth. Okay. Um, And then I got to be Ren's uncle 
in Footloose and Ren, actually. Oh. So interesting thing. This particular year of my high school career, it seems that the people who were in this play that the theater director had casted, uh, he was not exactly happy with, which is interesting because, you know, he casted them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you yeah, know, yeah. you did that. Uh, but it seems that he was he was thinking that we were all kind of as, you know, the Denver kids, so we're not like on the periphery. And this is kind of the reality of what he was touching on was like Footloose is not all that different from Denver. Yeah. Like that not lo- not long ago, this was a cow town, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of getting at that, and he was like, "Stop judging these characters. Just you know, just do what you've always been doing." Mm-hmm. Um, and so at a point that resonated with me, and I can't remember exactly that what happened, but I remember the next day I came like decked in it i was like i had the like the bolo tie i had like a like a kind of splotchy blazer that i got from goodwill like Mm -hmm. i was like i'm committing to this and eventually what ended up happening was he was so upset with the lead actor who was playing ren that uh he just kept replacing him with people Mm. and the guy that he replaced him with could not sing his voice was uh, like, if you're familiar with the singer Corpse Husband, oh yeah, yeah. He, it's pretty deep. Yeah, he, and this is like a 17 year old, like that deep. Damn. Yeah. So he was trying to sing these notes for Ren, who is not exactly a tenor, but not even a baritone, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just wasn't working. And eventually, I was like, "Look, I can memorize the script tomorrow. Like, let me do this." And he did. And mm. I showed him. And he apparently, I went back there a little while ago, and he's still telling that story to this day of me memorizing that script the night after that rehearsal ah. and coming in here and doing that. That's awesome. So that kind of led me on my on this path because after that I realized uh, a couple of things. You know, I've always been a writer. Mm. So when it came into theater and thinking about what theater takes and the things that are uh, – necessary to put on a production mm-hmm. i was like i may write novels or short stories or things of that sort but the case is also that i can adapt you know i can try something new so i started writing plays mm-hmm. um and that led me to after those two experiences becoming like this is my goal i want to direct and i want to write film mm-hmm. i want to be able to do the things that you know i i i love i yeah. love those things you know absolutely so yeah, what when you made the decision? What was it as you look back now that you said I came back the next day and I committed? What was the feeling like for you that got you making that choice? Hmm. Especially, I mean, it's it, speaking as a kid who can vaguely remember his high school years. I don't remember like having a con- like a focused thought for more than an hour, right? And and that was usually class time or while I was playing Madden. Um, when you made that like, no, I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to buy these things for this character. I'm going to embody this 100%. Where did that come from? And what did that feel like to you? Um, so to be honest with you, I've always been kind of a loner kid. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, I got very cerebral. Mm. You know, I was very like, I'm going to, I, I just think about everything. I'm going to consider things i always am very uh kind of careful also i think i'm learning now uh that could be due to some anxiety things Mm -hmm. that i didn't previously know were Mm -hmm. there 
Um, but apparently are some things that I'm dealing with as I have been conversing with people who also go through them and been like describing like, no, that's exactly what I'm, Mm -hmm. what I'm going through, you know? Um, so at the time, and also right before that in the skin of our teeth, I actually lost some lines Mm. because I didn't, I didn't get it. Like he was like, I was trying, I was doing my best being like, you know, I, I was interpreting what he was saying was I need to be louder. You're director. yeah. yeah. So I was like, I need to be louder. And I was doing that. And they just kept doing it. And it's like, come on, you have to do better than that. And I just, I don't understand what the problem is. And I'm like, I, you know, sh- kind of struggling to be like, I don't, mm. I don't know what you want me to do, mm-hmm. you know? And then I lost a monologue uh, because the announcer has two. Mm-hmm. And I think in the se- either the first or the second act, I lost that monologue because they didn't like how I was doing it. So then come around footloose i audition i do all these things you know and i feel like i'm doing good Mm. um everyone is having seemingly the problem that he said that i was having Mm -hmm. uh and then in that moment i was like i have like really two choices here you know i can jump into the abyss or i can keep running beating my head against the wall until Mm. he figured it out and so i thought you know what my best choice is to go out there and jump in mm. jump right in <laughs> so you felt that the best way to to make sense of these notes was to first commit a hundred percent to what you had deemed as the idea of this person right so i felt like a little bit like the direct the theater director was kind of uh in a position of, you know, what a director does. He reads the play several times. He kind of builds what he thinks this is right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Mr. Murphy in particular is has this particular skill of not judging anybody as far as theater or as far as characters go, mm-hmm. right? So he's like, I know who this is. And it's not about bad person, good person, this, that. It's this is who that is. And so to a certain extent, I think that's what he's expecting. He was expecting us to bring to the table mm-hmm. was... I know who exactly who this character was, but I'm like, I'm 17, you know, uh, I'm still trying to figure out who I am, mm. you know, much less am I very sure who this character who, whose motivations don't really make sense to me would be doing, yeah. you know? But then that night I was like, cause these, these were two different events in the same show. So yeah. like the moment I was like in the bolo tie and mm. everything. And I was like, no, I'm ready to do this. And then the moment where I, memorized all those lines but that first moment i was like i don't want to talk i don't want to i don't want to keep doing this anymore what is the point of beating my head to the same beating my head on this to the same Mm -hmm. same chorus line if you will Mm -hmm. it's like i have to do something different and the first thing that came to mind was like you know in a movie they also got like specific costuming perhaps i need to do that perhaps Mm -hmm. i need to consider why he would do these things to ren you know Mm -hmm. why i would have these perceptions perhaps i straight up i'm a writer Mm -hmm. perhaps i need to build some shit Mm -hmm. excuse my language i'm not sure if that's okay. oh no no you can totally fucking cuss on this podcast it's all right nice (laughs) so honestly you know i was like i gotta do it all yeah i gotta do whatever i can was any of the choices that you made already in the script outside of the stuff that you said you would create for yourself um mostly not mm-hmm. it was morely like because i think if memory ca- memory serves his name is wes in mm-hmm. f- the script for footloose wes is very much a side character despite yeah. the fact that ren and his mother live with this guy so uh despite the fact that you know 
he's his uncle mm. and at least in that case would be at least in my perception relatively important in this individual's life i can't really of course i can't speak to other people's family dynamics yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh he's he's yeah. pretty very much a side character yeah. so there's not really much in the script about him mm-hmm. but i think you're touching on something like if he's sharing the same roof with this person there is more than just a cursory family fa- family connection right you know it's not mm-hmm. even like this is like some uncle he's never met before yeah. like this if this is the guy you go to the first moment you're moving out of the city there's a reason for that mm-hmm. you know but any but uh more of the point is that like there wasn't much in the script. And so I started to just build. I was like, what is this world that he lives in? Mm. And the world he lives in was, you know, this kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, I excuse me if this is not the right term, uh, kind of a hick town yeah, where, yeah. you know, <laughs> dancing and music are now illegal because the reverend pretty much runs the city yeah. or runs the town. A little puritanical. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And he think and because his son got and because his son was injured having fun or to be fair, passed away, mm-hmm. which is a lot of well really what the play is about is a lot of trauma that, you know, goes undealt with. Um he takes it out on music mm-hmm. instead of perhaps reflecting on other things. And so Ren being, you know, Chicago kid goes to the clubs, dancing around all that. Yeah. That's just not the way it's mm-hmm. that's the main conflict. And the West thing with his, with his uncle is so periphery, I think, mm-hmm. that they left it all out of the script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you do this in high school and we're now how young are you now? I'm 21. You're 21 now. <laughs> yeah. So what has been your maturation process through the art of performing, writing? Like, let's, let's cover all of it. What, I mean, where you've been passionate about. How has it grown since you got out of high school? Mm. So uh, since I've gotten out of high school, I, have, uh, I will say that I have not gotten the opportunity to direct anything, which is something I've been wanting a mm. lot. Uh, but I also rec- I've been recognizing in recent, more recent times that uh, you know, the best actors I know they have been directed several times mm-hmm. and have to a certain extent built a style, researched, read books, all the mm-hmm. things, you know. The process. Right. Yeah. So I'm try so at a point I was like, you know, I'm hungry for it, but also I need to temper my expectation a little bit and just keep working. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that, however, the problem I've been having, uh or the situation has been that a lot of the roles I've gotten recently were more given to me than auditioned for, mm-hmm. which is fine i guess but the point i'm trying to make is that you know a lot of the auditions that i've tried out for or auditions that i've brought i've worked on brought to the table become ready for mm-hmm. uh didn't really lead to anything yeah. and the real ways that i've been working in theater has been people being like i know who you are come in you know mm-hmm. it seems that i'm dealing with partially because of my age and i'll probably say primarily my age mm-hmm. I've been dealing with a lot of no's and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, not even not even an email back mm-hmm. until like perhaps the show stopped running even at times. I remember wow. one time uh, I can't point, remember the situation. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like at a point it's like just I come. saw the show. <laughs> I knew I wasn't in it. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So it's just been rough. It's been really. It's been kind of difficult. But I will be say that I'm very thankful. 
because yeah. I've also had opportunities like Land of Milk and Honey, mm -hmm. like the clown show, mm -hmm. like as you like it where people were like i've seen your work and i know who you are and i believe in you yeah and that's something that uh, i've been very thankful for recently yeah You're definitely building up a resume in that regard but it sounds like your lack of the opportunity to even audition has been because you find that you get feedback from that or at least a sensation of the quality of your work no no you don't <laughs> the last audition i did actually was very recent oh wow and uh i remember they were like and this is someone who uh you know was in a previous show with me mm -hmm. um and i auditioned for the show they were like super excited for me to come out and then they didn't really give me any of the sides that they said so first off i get there uh a little bit late because mm -hmm. after though communicated this because i had something else to do that day and yeah. i couldn't be there at the exact time i get there to read the sides that they said i should read and they don't have me read those sides. They okay. have me read for a character I didn't realize that they were even considering me for. Huh. Uh, and then after that, I hear, we, we'll call you. And I never heard back. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's been the thing that it's I've like been having. left on red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Except uh, the biggest problem for me has been uh, not taking it personally. Mm. Because, like, you know, I know a lot of people talking about it in theaters. Like, no's are just how it goes. Mm -hmm. But it's also just, like, I mean, is an email that much, you know? Yeah. It's like a... You know, I, I, <laughs> what you're saying, you're preaching, like, you're preaching to the young rookie actor in me as well. And, I mean, and I don't want to say, like, rookie as, like, a pejorative. It's... Right. I, for the first five years of my career, every time I didn't get, every time I didn't get a part, I would have a day. Mm. to say the least um like I'm, I'm gonna eat my feelings that was just a thing i did all the time when i was sad mm. um or happy i always you know, didn't really i mean when, <laughs> when, when you like food as much as i do it's both the cause of and solution to all of your problems um but then it, it there was that it was the it was the personal toll that it, i would mm. put on myself through it like I didn't, I'm not even good enough to get an email. And then I, and then I would get emails that were clearly blanket emails that were sent to like 20 people or 50 people, depending on how many people audition for the show. There's only so many parts you can have. Right. And I would like, oh, this is clearly a blanket email. This is bull crap. And, you know, and I would, I would definitely respond to that in a hostile way. It, it took for me, like I had to find honestly, other things to get excited about mm. other things to and i'm not saying you're doing this this is my this was my journey right i tied all of my self-worth when i started acting to my acting mm. if i was not acting i was not an artist and therefore i was nothing oh. and that was from 27 till 30 35 <laughs> i mean and every once in a while, that voice comes back into my head, and, and it's and it's loud. Mm. And I had to find I had I had to create a life that didn't revolve around that. Right. And and I got in like I won't go down the myriad of choices that I made in order to like <laughs> take, better evolve as a person and take care of myself. But like those are those are legitimate things that happen to a lot of actors when they get started. It's the no that drives us away and. And like even 
even now, I won't go into my next steps in life as I've made some choices. The Instagram live video coming up later. <laughs> um, but it, the, the no and the, the lack of success is a big wall to make peace with in order mm-hmm. to keep pursuing it. Right. It's like it's got to be a way of life. And, but it's the first thing for me, it was the first thing that I was good at that I acknowledged I had some skill at. Mm. And I tied all that worth to it. I'm, I'm 38 and I still say like, that's definitely the thing I'm the best at. Mm. Like I do that better than I do a lot of other things. I'm going to make a living doing this. I want to make the rest of my life about this and in service to it. Right. And then getting to a place where I can make that decision and not worry about the nose is going to be, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll juggle that as we go down the road further. Right. When you talk about now you're you seeing other actors, established actors coming up with style process is what I was the word I was attributing to it and, and that might not be how you see it. What are some of the things that you yourself right now are like, this is what I go to to like when I am preparing? Mm. <laughs> I have to admit, uh, a lot of it that I do when I'm preparing for stuff comes about similarly from an anxiety of like, I don't want to make a fool of myself, you know? <laughs> and I think to a certain extent, uh, us as actors, we kind of learn after we go for a while to just like let it go, but it's never like completely gone. You know what I mean? So sometimes I'm like, all right, I have this, I have this cool thing, this interesting thing. And that's one of the things that I think has been, in- been integral to me becoming the person I am now is like, being the person and the way that I consume media, mm-hmm. I think is a little bit different than perhaps the way other people consume media. How and so? how so? I think uh, I'm always being as cerebral as I am when I watch a movie or even listening to just music as I'm driving by, you know, or just various things. I'm absorbing these things and trying to get to the deeper meanings of why they exist. Now, granted, I don't always get there. Mm-hmm. There's a song actually in in that came up for me yesterday that I just realized was about something that I totally didn't connect. And then when I connected it, I was like, why didn't I see that? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying my best to analyze it to a certain extent. I feel like there's almost a natural kind of, uh, literary, literary critique and literary critic in my head. Mm -hmm. That's always like, why is this, why is this the way it is? And what is it? intending to achieve especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to the arts so in preparing i often am like this is interesting and this may help me if the person who i'm auditioning for right Mm -hmm. sees what i'm trying to get at then perhaps they will notice the connection there that Mm -hmm. i've already built based on my choice in perhaps the monologue that i'm auditioning with also something i've seen that i (laughs) something i've been learning a lot of is from our from various directors Mm. um i remember a point where in land of milk and honey Mm. where i got to see you do your jason part Mm -hmm. and i for a minute i had to like legitimately sit there and just wonder how you did that and some Mm. of your mannerisms and the way that you were controlling your body Mm. you know what i mean and the way that you're the the words came out of your come out came out of you it's like there's this level of 
commitment that is just that like I'm always reminded of, right? Mm -hmm. Like going back to what we were talking about when it came to the footloose stuff and like jumping into the abyss, if you will. It's like every time you come back out and you got to jump in again, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like sometimes it may be more hard or more difficult, but that was one of those moments actually where I straight up was like, this is what I want to be. Nice. I want to be as committed to the to my role as you are to your roles. Like that was brilliant <laughs> well, seeing your performance. Thank you, man. That's high praise. I, I I'm surprised and that I appreciate it. It means a lot. Yeah. When <laughs> I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put you into a little thought experiment here. Okay. Okay. I just cast you. You got the part. Okay. You got it. All right. You are reading the script for the first time. He's the lead. He's got a romantic interest. The conflict is there. Um, it's an unseen supernatural force that is driving you two apart. Whatever, you can just lock, lock onto those things. Before the first read, you're reading that script. Do you read the whole thing, just your lines, both? I read the whole thing. You read the whole thing? Yeah, one of the things, <laughs> going back to Footloose, mm-hmm. actually. It's it's our touchstone. I love it. Let's keep going back. This is where the germ started, man. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of funny, actually, because it was very clear that uh, nobody had read the full thing. In high school? What? <laughs> because what happened was we were all sitting there on stage and someone says something and the script calls for raucous applause. Oh, yeah, and yeah, the room yeah, was yeah. still. <laughs> and, the Mur- and Murphy went off. He was livid mm. he was like what are you, did you not read it <laughs> so uh, that's my favorite thing about a first read yeah is when there is when there is uproarious um clamor from the ensemble and everyone get we get to that point and no one does it it's all these these kind of collective scared looks around the room and then the director like probably anticipating it but also being annoyed at it goes like Moving on, we'll right. we'll work right. we'll work that in the room. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think I am definitely read it all the way. Mm. And then, if for no other reason, and granted, you know, I don't think that every single script requires that. I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that perhaps I think some are even built with the for you to be this. These are my lines. This is what I'm gonna do. Yeah, some are definitely built that way. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. But from an art, from a writer's standpoint, from also someone who's wanting to write plays and write screenplay and all that, I should be reading this. Mm-hmm. I should be absorbing this as much as I can because if I don't absorb it, then how am I going to know how to write a play? It's a great point. It's a great, very good point. You talk about being cerebral. Right. What you When you look at your character, you're looking at this character that I've just given you. We're going to open in four weeks. Right. Do you start your thought process in terms of the macro where does my guy fit in the 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 whole of the play, the piece, or where does he fit in the moment? And then look at the moment specifically. These are the first ten pages that he's in. This is where he occupies. What's new here? Or I should say, if it's the first ten pages, you're like, what is he do? What's he doing here? What does he want here? Yeah. Do you ask those types of questions? I think I do ask those questions, but more often. To your point, mm-hmm. I almost unintentionally go 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 towards the macro mm-hmm. first. See what like perhaps where and that's I think this is because like to a certain extent I'm a big world builder, right? I'm, yeah, yeah. I love fiction, so mm-hmm. like whenever it comes to writing a new piece, I'm like, 
where do these characters live? Mm. Why do they live here? How did they get here in the first place? You yeah. know, and so I'm much I'm I'm pretty macro. I think at the beginning, uh, sometimes I'll argue unintentionally. Mm. Um, but as things go, as I try to, especially with scenes that I may be having trouble with, because I'll be reading and I'll read and then I'll stop and I'll be like, this, what does that mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? So then I'll focus in on that and I'm like trying to figure out what it is that it's actually trying to be communicated in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those actually happened. I was reading, not like actually in the show, but I was reading Othello recently. And one of the things that hit me was like, that big, big monologue that Iago has at the beginning, mm. right after the senators had all come in and they're talking about how Desdemona and Othello are like, this is like evil and all this stuff. Mm. And he essentially like schmoozes the wo- the room, like the like general that he yeah. is, you know? Um, I was trying to, that was a hard one for me. Just reading it, I was like, what is he talking about? And mm. like, not even from like the... Shakespeare side, right? Yeah. Shakespeare writes very wrote very differently mm. than we talk now. Yeah. But even even outside of that, I was like, what is he really getting at? So then I did some more research. I put the book down actually for a little bit and watched some videos. Mm. And it was an explanation and one of the things that hit me was this explanation of the I am not what I am line mm. being a parallel to Genesis, God in Genesis being saying, I am what I am. And so ever since then, it made more sense. Iago's entire point in this play is just to cause chaos. That's all he wants. Mm. And so I got into that moment. I realized that's what this is about, is chaos and anger and violence because he doesn't want to do, because he's sick of being subordinate, Mm. you know? So it's kind of a thing where I'm like reading it and I'm, you know, mostly understanding, understanding, you know, I got to read, reread a bunch. Yeah. But there's always almost a point where I'm like, I have to stop, be like, what did he just say? Mm-hmm. And really start to e- extrapolate that, if you will. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, two two thoughts. One, I, 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 there's, I would love to be involved in the, uh, the Shakespearean uh, debate about, Iago's place in that piece that that is one of my favorite characters really? yeah I've done I have done this monologue a, a specific monologue from this play not that one you're quoting ad nauseum for every director in town that is looking for a classical monologue for me so right. I'm sorry <laughs> it's really good um, and that and I, and I feel like that would be a fun conversation because I myself need to do enough more research before I can even weigh in on that and then my last thing is, so then you've done this research, you've looked at a moment, you've looked at those first 10 pages, you've thought about the macro, how do you approach that day in rehearsal? What, do you, what is your rehearsal focus like? Do you, are you thinking in terms of that or is it just about running line and blocking and getting my, getting my marks, so to speak? So for me, um, and I think this is where the artistry in acting comes in because I've been dealing with it a lot. I've been really wondering... Uh, you know, or not really, perhaps not wondering, but examining the role of the actor in what we call the arts. Um, because at times it's felt like an actor comes in, does what he's told, and then leaves. Mm-hmm. And I think some that perhaps is simply the, the style of some of the directors I've had, mm-hmm. perhaps. Um, but to me, 
the best thing I can do as an actor is understand why I'm doing this or why this character is doing this. Um, understand and be motivated by the things that they are motivated by. Um, so even if it's a situation like Iago, you know, I think Iago is very much motivated by his own fed upness, if you will, his own anger. And so if that's what it takes, I'm going to bring some anger in, you know, I'm going to bring perhaps, and that's something I've been trying to get away from, but bringing in some of the things that are happening in my life into it. Because at times it seems that uh, some of those things that I've chosen are not exactly appropriate for the character or for the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to bring that initial emotion perhaps to bring in some realities from my life to be like this, I'm also pissed about this or I'm also sad or I'm ecstatic that Mm -hmm. this is the reality of the situation, you know? Based off what I'm hearing here, have you found a deepening in your craft as you've gotten more aware of how you just process stimuli in your own life? Mm. When you talk about you've got your anxiety that you are working through, that's something that you're probably going to be working through for a long time. Right. I w- work through my depression all the time. Um, do you find in this, I mean, when maybe you started making those realizations, oh, I'm acting a specific way because I am feeling pressure from these unseen forces in my brain or how I respond to these things. And once you started making those connections, did that start to shift how you approach the work? I think it did. I think it was actually, there was a catalyst for it that, uh, I keep with me to this day. So, uh, I was in college for a semester (laughs) because, Despite doing pretty well in all of my classes, I could no longer afford to keep going. But one of the things that I did take with me was this one day I had an acting class and we were doing yoga. And I was like, I don't quite understand this, you know. I don't understand why we're doing these movements. But then I remember this point where we're kind of like, I can't remember what the, what the pose is called, but we're kind of bent over mm-hmm. and we rise up. And your feet are perfectly placed almost exactly right uh, by your right under your uh, shoulders. You put your shoulders back almost on instinct. And she was like, this is the neutral place. And then it hit me is that whenever whenever I feel those kinds of things where I'm perhaps bringing in the wrong thing, I need to go back to that neutral place. Mm reassess take a moment to center before i can go in and keep doing it and i think it's changed ever since really very much so that's it's it's really it's interesting i love how it started from a place of confusion i don't know why we're doing this stretching (laughs) to find that that like is a mindset shifter for you and picking up that i need that when i'm feeling this particular way right in order to actually give something to what i'm involved in it's cool that you picked up on that. I know, I mean, for me, I'm I what the the stretching position you described getting into, everything in my brain was like, nope, my body can't do that. <laughs> not not even going to fucking try. It's not going to happen. You know what my you know what my neutral state is? Mm. Lying prone on my couch. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just lying down. That's it. That's Mainly because I'm uh I'm 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 lazy when I'm not on the grind. Like I- that's where it all goes. 
I think to a point though, there's there's something pretty ground like I not ironically, I don't know why that was gonna come out of my mouth, but there's something grounding there, you know what I mean? You're literally on not not the ground, it's your couch, but you know, like you're laying flat in connection with this thing that's supporting you and mm-hmm. it's like I have this opportunity now to come back to a place of stillness, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's important that you find those things, especially if if you are competing with, as, as I keep referring to them, and, and I mean no disrespect when I say that, but like these unseen forces in our brains. It's right. like I have, I have my own foibles that I deal with. Most days are I'm pretty in control. I've had a long career battling these guys right. and have had many conversations with many highly trained and maybe not so highly trained <laughs> professionals that take money to help people with these issues. Right. And then I've had friends that are, you know, that have done similar practices. They've done medications and things of that nature. And, and it's shifted not just how their body responds to these triggers, but then it, how they themselves respond to themselves that it changes the person. And so when, and I'm not trying to give any medical advice, so I'm going to steer clear of what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm definitely not somebody that should be doing that. By the way, um, what's that drug, uh, the, the horse tranquilizer that's curing everybody? That's Hor- a lie. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Cures you of the condition of life, I hear. I, I do, I do. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think I think really what I was trying in in regards to to what you were kind of experiencing, you're at such this, and and I'm and forgive me, this podcast has kind of turned into one of those things where I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of myself in you, and I'm <laughs> and I'm really trying to ask like the right questions to mm. try and like. Push, which is manipulative. <laughs> it's manipulative. Um, and I can see that. And, and I hope my, 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 my audience understands too. I, I th- the reason why I'm thinking of doing, I'm, I'm, I've gone on this road is like, this is a conversation I wish, this is the conversation ghostlight that I wish I had mm-hmm. when I was leaving college. Someone to challenge me like this. I was always asked, what, the, what was the point of the journey? As opposed to, how do I get on the train? Where do I get tickets? Right. What is there etiquette? Can I get up and walk around the cabin? I'm extending the metaphor because there is so much mm. to any choice and path you take in life. There are so many different routes and there are so many things that could... It's, it's never straight. And it's never the way it works for one person across the board. Right. And my career, my life experiences are never going to be yours. And so I should really do a good job of like not trying to attribute any of those to them. But it's one of those things too, is like, I, I, I really respect the, the arc that you're on right now, where it's starting for you. There is a person that cares very deeply about their, their place in the crafting of a project. I can, and that, that's really apparent. There is someone that cares about being a professional. It's a very good thing to have, especially when you're starting out, when you come into it thinking you're already a professional as opposed to like working at it. Mm-hmm. That can lead to some complications. I'm going to... Excuse me. That's what happens when you start talking so much after you've chugged a bunch of water. Um, and then there's 
this other piece to it that is the unknown. Mm. And and for you, when you talk about dealing with things like anxiety, like those are things like the second those voices are given any traction, it 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 makes taking sticking to the path you've chosen for yourself hard. You start to make you start to acquiesce. Right. And you start to make you start to sacrifice certain things along that journey. So like for me, I wanted to like I was going to I was just going to do acting and I was going to have a day job that was going to pay all the bills. And then I realized that that day job that was paying all the bills and this was years ago. I'm not talking about today. Right. Which is again funny repeat history repeating itself for me. I had this job, it was great. It was at the time really good money, now probably not so much. Um and then it was like, well, I can do this for another 5 years. And find the find the point where I have to make the decision to walk away from theater right. because it is just too hard, mm. and then I lose all the traction yeah. that I was making for myself, all the momentum, or I find an out, and I was given an out, and I took that, and then I got lazy mm. because I was scared to try to stay down this theater path. Right, and then I built up another career. It took me a while. <laughs> I, I lost a lot of stuff. I had, I had built relationships with people and watched that get thrown in my face. I had built, I was like, I had a roof over my head and then all of a sudden I had no way to keep that roof over my head and I had to like re, re, like rely on family and friends to keep me going. My mom paid a portion of my rent and I was in my late 30s and I am once again making a very similar choice mm. about I am going to turn my back on what is quote unquote steady income because I can't do that anymore and still think I can be an actor. Right. Like the paths just won't work. Mm. I got through crucible and it was murderous. I hated the person I was. I didn't like the thoughts I was having about the people I was working with. And when the people you're working with are children, that's a that's a place I don't want to reside in for too long. Right. And then I was realizing that I had no energy for family and friends. Like I'm turning down all these opportunities. And I guess I go down this long story about me um, to tell you and to ask you what it is that you want and what will you not sacrifice, Justy? Right. And on that, I think about it a lot, especially because... Recently, I was actually in an argument with an individual who was talking about all this stuff about like cryptocurrencies and black people need to get guns. You know, we need to keep ourselves safe and all this other stuff. And I, at a point I realized that I'm talking to a coward who's never going to understand what I'm talking about. And this is what I'm talking about. Being the person that I have, and I think it is both a blessing and a curse because though I am very thankful to continue to be here, I will admit that I have not always had a very high um, thought process about my life, if you will. And I think it is a curse, very much so, but I think it comes through in the ways that I'm not really willing to sacrifice my life for anything other than the art that I love because I truly believe there is no purpose otherwise. Mm. I think all of this is, I think, you know, we can keep chasing, we can be 
you know, for lack of a better term, we can be the animals that we were born as, you know, we can be focused on survival and survival alone, but never once in my life. And I think due to my, due to my other, due to some other things and due to realizing how miserable some of the people in my life, my life's lives were, despite their focus on these things, I was just like, there is no way that I'm going to subject myself to this. If mm. I can't do this, then I don't want to do it. So to a certain extent, my goal, my reality, mm-hmm. um, the things I'm not willing to sacrifice are the things that I do every day. And I think to a certain extent, you know, I, I can't say that I haven't sacrificed anything yeah. because right now I'm have, I have a job yeah. and though it's very good job, it doesn't really pay well, but it is good as None in I'm doing do. good work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing good work for good people. Um, despite that and despite the fact that previously I hadn't had that job because I was focusing entirely on creating stuff though at that time not really seeing much mm-hmm. dividends from it mm-hmm. um, I I really am not as I'm really not very will, I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess very stubborn is the word that I that comes to mind is like if I'm not doing the work, doing this love, this thing I love, this mm-hmm. creating these beautiful things. If I can't do that, then I don't think I want to do anything, you know? So. Totally. Yeah. I think it's a little extreme. And I think that's why I say it's kind of a blessing and a curse is like, it's a blessing because I've also seen people deathly afraid mm. of what happens when they don't have those kinds of backing, that kind of backing, you know, monetary, mm-hmm. different kinds of things. I've seen it, and I think it's always tragic and sad when these people who I thought, or these people who had these beautiful dreams and these beautiful goals no longer are achieving them, or are chasing them. And I think if that's the reality that we are yielded mm-hmm. or given, then my choice is to succeed or to die, wow. frankly. No, I mean, that's the, I mean, it's, but that's, I think that's one of the things too, is like, that is what fueled me getting out of college. Yeah. Like, like I, and I've mentioned this on the podcast a lot. I didn't know who I was until I was other people. Mm. Okay. So that's, that's my, that's my quote. We'll put that on my tombstone because I say it all the time. And, but the, the fact of the matter was, I got I I got I got born again twice through theater. Mm-hmm. I got out of college and realized, oh no, this needs to be a part of my life. This brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And then I got all that stuff, and I and I was and I was making shows. And then I got to a place I'm like, this is not having an effect on anyone. Mm-hmm. My performance isn't. It's not. It's not. There's no echo. I want it to echo. Right. I want. I want to get to a place where when people are like showing up at a show and they look flip through the program, like, Oh, that's the guy that was in such and such. He did this thing back in the, like, or whatever. And like, I want to, I like this guy. That's that, that guy does stuff for me. Like that'd be cool to have that impact on somebody. And so I had to start taking acting classes again. And I had like, I really had to kind of explore the things that were getting in the way of that feeling for me. And now older, wiser i hope um definitely older um <laughs> it it's i'm i it's it's the i i go back to the the young boy graduating college is like 
this is the this is the thing that I'm the best at. This is the thing that makes me feel the best, like the best about myself. Mm. And that passion that you're talking about, it's either this or nothing, is what should stay with you for a while. It should absolutely be there. It should absolutely be part of this fire. Right. As as the old man sitting across the table from you, I would say, but understand that there is a life that must reside outside of your art right. because then there is nothing to show a mirror up to. Hmm. There is nothing for you to draw from if you have no life. Like if it is just this and you're not getting work and now I'm trying to keep and I'm trying to make ends meet between gigs and stuff like that and that becomes too much to bear. And I only say that because I've done this. I've gone down this road. I failed at this and I may very well indeed fail again. It's the, it's the life I've chosen for better or for worse. There still has to be something that you can in the nights where you don't have rehearsal or you get off of rehearsal and your partner is asleep and your pet is walking up to you and you sit down and you're like, I'm going to put on this song I'm going to grab this book. Mm. I am going to start writing that play because that can never turn off. Don't ever let that turn off. I let it get turned off way too many times, way too many times. And one of the reasons why is because I get stuck in the macro. Mm. I can only think about the, if it's, if I can't write the whole thing in this hour, it's not going to happen, which is why I do poetry (laughs) (laughs) because I can sit and I can do that. That takes an hour and then I can workshop it in another hour, you know, anyway, Find those things that buoy the spirit Mm -hmm. in between gigs. Find those things that provide definition for the person you see in the mirror and go like, I like that about me too. Right now, what are the things that you love about yourself, Justy? You know, honestly, uh, I think you, you talk to some of them. I mean, my thing is like, to a certain extent, I love the fact that I consider myself an artist. And I think what I mean by that is not, I'm just this kind of artist or that kind of artist that I'm an artist and I care for the arts in general. Mm. You know, I'm a person who can appreciate a film. I am a person who can appreciate reading a play. I am a person who can appreciate music and has appreciated music forever. You know, I'm one of the, I feel like I'm one of the people, the few people who say that they listen to everything Mm -hmm. and actually mean it because truly, I don't think there is a song in any genre at least one song in any genre that I don't like. I think there's perhaps genres that I haven't been exposed to. Right. But now, there will be. What are your thoughts on Rapper Estates by Rick Ross? I've heard that song actually. Oh dang. I was, <laughs> trying, to, I was trying to stump him. I was trying to stump him, folks. He got me. So, you know, I think it's like either either I haven't been exposed to it. And there are don't get me wrong, there are things that I don't like in music um, as well. But it's not really a genre thing. It's yeah. like a song thing, really. Mm. Even most artists that I know of, at least, it's like there's a song that appeals to me, even mm. if I don't like the rest of their album. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like, when it comes to my arts, when it comes to the art in general, I think that's really where all of, my, where all of the joy in my life comes from. Or not all of it, because I also think I... Though I'm kind of introverted to a certain degree, mm-hmm. I'm also 
happy to see other people if that makes sense like i people doing things being happy themselves makes me happy yeah. you know i like to be around people who are enjoying things That's um cool. so that but also you know all i gotta really do is go get home and i've actually started while we're talking about writing i started working on something tonight which is really my bigger problem is that i can't stop working on something new than more than you know yeah stopping completely that's great. Well, I mean, I've, I'm I'm glad you took the time out to come talk to us in the, from that creation. Yeah. Um, before we go, what is that ghost light you wish that was left on for you? Huh. Um, I'll admit, I'm one of the pe- I'm the kind of person who tries my best to never stop learning. Right. So like. I've always been like, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to absorb it all. And I can, if nothing else, even if it doesn't go anywhere, I can put it in a story later, <laughs> you know? So uh, when it comes to the things that I think have been the most valuable for me is learning that I have value in general. Uh, I thought a lot about it when I was younger. I think my one of the things that's ironic, actually, is that theater director from East High School, Matt, Matt Murphy, he would often repeat to me like dude you're amazing you know and things of the sort talking to me and I was like you know I've always been kind of bad at taking compliments I've been like I don't (laughs) you know thanks I don't know what to say um not like not saying that I was unappreciative right but Mm -hmm. to say that these are never these are not things that I had previously considered to be real Mm -hmm. for about me Mm -hmm. Um, And as I'm going through things and I'm writing things and I'm committing to the things that I love and I'm continuing to try and add joy to other people's lives as well, doing generally things, having vision, you know, Mm -hmm. as I'm going through these things, I think the one thing that I could have that I wish I could have told myself when I was younger (laughs) was that you can't really you can't really say it someone what someone else's perception of you is if that person thinks you're amazing then that's that what that person thinks and instead of being like i don't know if that's true be like i appreciate it be that's sweet of you mm-hmm. i maybe think i may be dealing with something right now that makes it hard for me to see but i'm happy that you shared that perception of me mm-hmm. and perhaps if i just keep going and i have <laughs> you know I will I will realize that you know perhaps these people weren't just gassing me up, you yeah. know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's 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 a nice thing to pass along that I for one can attest to the like oh gee thanks it means a lot and then walking away going like they don't know. <laughs> no. They that's, let let them let them compliment you. Let them have that thought. Don't try to get right as you see yourself. Mm. Like that. Let them let them do that. Um, shout outs to East High School, um, <laughs> class of O two. What what angels oh, in the really? house? Yeah, Ooh, yeah. Nice. nice. Uh, big ups to uh, Melody and Hannah Duggan. Uh, Melody was my teacher. Um, shout outs to Brian Carroll. I went to high school with that guy. He's a freaking comedic genius. I I was so jealous of what he could do on stage. I I never told you that, Brian Carroll. You are awesome. You are an awesome actor, and I hope you are still crushing it out there. Um, 
Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Ghost Lights Podcast. It's episode 84. My guest has been Justy Robinson. I hope you'll keep an eye out for him. I hope you will one day be reading one of his scripts or <laughs> watching one of his movies where he's starring, wrote, and directed that piece. Um, it's going to happen as long as we stay on our paths. Mm-hmm. There's no denying that. And with that, Dan, do the damn thing. So there's there's the every kiss begins with K diamond commercials, but then there's also this old diamond commercial I think for like Cartier or whatever, and it's um it's all silhouettes, so it's the couples in silhouette like dancing and looking like walking on the beach and then like receiving a gift and that gift is the wedding ring, and in this episode of Family Guy they go through kind of all of those things you know taking a walk or you know. They're, they're walking a puppy, they're watching a movie in front of a fire, and then he gives her a gift. And the, as the their silhouettes play on the wall, she goes down and he starts smiling big. And it goes like, after this, you'll, she'll kind of have to. Yeah. And um, it's, it's crass, but damn it, if I didn't laugh my ass off the first time I saw that. Yeah.